Good morning, church. You know, with uh, um, the video, James Lee's video about the, the furniture ministry, I'm reminded again of, of just how much is happening in this church. And I think sometimes a lot is happening. We've got to find better ways for everybody that, that comes and visits or is a part of the church to really understand how much, how active this church actually is in the community. I mean, so many amazing ministries and great things going on as we reach out with the love of Jesus Christ beyond these doors. Amen? Uh, what a great gift to be empowered and filled, to have the Spirit moving, uh, to see the Spirit moving in the lives of His people. It's just awesome stuff. It's great, uh, it's great to have uh, uh, an active, spiritually filled congregation moving and doing stuff in the community because that impacts the kingdom. Amen? So we are now in uh, this new sermon series, The Parables of Jesus. Simple stories, profound truths, and we're in um, Luke chapter 12 this morning, looking at a parable there. If you'd like, uh, you can open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 12. There are Bibles under the, under the chairs in front of you. Encourage you to grab a Bible, uh, bring yours from home, and uh, if you, th- you think, boy, I don't know my way around the Bible, that'd be embarrassing. Well, that's why, we here, that's why we're here. Uh, and, and we want to help you know your way around your Bible. And you can ask people around you, they'd love to help you find Matthew, Mark, Luke, third chapter, third book of the New Testament, Third Gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, chapter 12, starting at verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But Jesus said to him, Man, who, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And Jesus said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I'll do this. I'll tear down my barns, and I'll build larger ones. And there I will store my grain and my goods. And I'll say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. The Gospel of the Lord, let's pray. Father, thank You for the gift of Your Word. Thank You for the gift of Your Son, Thank You for the gift of the Spirit that You pour out desiring to create faith and hope and life in each of us. And so would You meet us where we're at, Lord? Meet each of us at the place of faith where we are. Whether we come here doubting and unsure, dragged here by somebody, or we come here just expectant and hopeful, knowing, Lord, that You're here and that You're going to speak into us, correcting and encouraging us. Lord, just come. Pour out Your Spirit. Do Your work in our hearts and minds. We ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people say... Amen. Well, we're spending these next couple of weeks, like I said, diving into a number of parables of Jesus. Parables that he used in his teaching and preaching. And if you'll remember from the sermon a few weeks back, Jesus used these parables to teach heavenly truths to everyday people. Parables itself, that word means to lay parable, to lay parallel. A heavenly truth and an everyday example. Well, today's parable, if you were looking at the heading in your Bible, your Bible of that parable, the heading there, probably said this. The parable of the rich fool. 
Now, before you tune out and you think, well, I'm not rich and I'm not a fool, so if this teaching isn't for me, I'd like you to stop for just a moment and hold on. Because this parable isn't just simply for the one percenters out there, um, nor is this for uh, those of us in the world who make more than $20,000. Because if you make more than $20,000, you're in the top 9% in the world. That's 91% richer than anybody else. If you make more than $25,000, you're in the world 6%, 94% richer than anybody else in the world. So first of all, you live in this country, you're probably doing pretty well. Amen? But that's not the purpose of this, of this text. Okay? That isn't the reason that you should listen to this sermon, because the sermon isn't primarily about money or wealth. This isn't the point of the sermon. Jesus didn't tell this parable to condemn wealth or even the accumulation of riches. This isn't a word from Jesus saying everyone should strive to be poor. It isn't a word from Jesus hoping to convince us that being wealthy is by its very essence evil. That isn't what's being said here. This is about so much more. This is a parable that gets at the foolishness that all of us can and do find ourselves in at times. Okay? This is a parable that goes to the very heart of each of us. It's a lesson we all need to hear. One where we're being instructed to trust in the Lord, to trust in God's provision, in God's timing, to understand that life, real life, is only found in Jesus. Now there are two verses that are key to helping us hear not only the purpose of the parable, its intended lesson, but also how this parable is for us and why we need to hear it. Turn to verses 15 and 22 in the text. Verse 15, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. If you've got your own Bible, you can underline that. One's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. And then jump down to verse 22. So is the one who lays up for himself and is not rich to God. Verse 22. So is the one. So what? What is the sentence pointing back to? It's pointing back to verse 21, the word fool. Fool is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Now we use that word fool as a rather harsh word for somebody that's done something really kind of stupid or acted rashly, right? What a fool, we say. And it's really a pretty demeaning term. The word here in Greek that's translated as fool, the word here that's translated from Greek, the word fool, literally means without an inner perspective that regulates your behavior. In other words, lacking a perspective that leads to short-sightedness. And then in being short-sighted, you act rashly. Lacking, not seeing the whole picture that would be needed in order to act prudently. So a fool here is someone who is missing in life an important ingredient, an, an essential understanding, a, a true perspective. This missing component causes a person to act without reason, rashly, not fully considerate because they are not seeing the fullness of what's going on. They are foolish. What is the foolish act? What is this foolishness that Jesus points to? Is it having wealth? No. You see, he isn't condemning the man for his productive land and for the wealth that's come from it. The man's land is so productive he doesn't have a place to store his crops. So is Jesus trying to teach us that it's bad to plan? <laughs> To prepare and care for the abundance that one receives? I mean, after all, the poor guy just wants to build bigger storage facilities for his produce. Any farmers out there? But that isn't the problem. 
Jesus isn't saying, don't be diligent in planning or conscientious of the things that you need for your business or your life. The problem is the man's assessment of his situation and the place where he is looking to find comfort, peace, and life. Look at, read verses 18 and 19. Look at what he says to himself. I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. When my barns are big enough, then my soul will be content. All will be well. I can find comfort and peace and life when those things are taken care of. <laughs> Fool. Here is the foolishness that traps not only the man in the parable, but all of us as well. Believing that we can bring peace and comfort to our souls apart from Jesus Christ. Do you hear me? Believing that we can bring peace and comfort and life to our souls apart from Jesus Christ. In fact, soul, biblically, <clears throat> is what happens biblically. It's actually that word soul in this text is tied to Genesis Genesis, when the Lord breathes. And when the Lord breathes into human beings, they have a soul. It is a part of what God gives. And so when God says to him, you fool, this night your soul is required of you. It's God's to give and it's God's to take. The man has no place in that where he can kind of say, well, soul, you can be at peace. Because it's not about him. And there are three ways in the text that, that the man and, and all of us can become fools or act foolishly. There are three lessons for us. Number one, the foolishness of thinking things of this world can bring life, meaning, or can offer us peace. Number two, the foolishness of thinking that we know the future. Number three, the foolishness of not investing in or considering the importance of our spiritual health as it relates to knowing Jesus Christ. Are you with me? Did you get brain freeze on the way in here? Everybody here? Okay? Feels like a little frigid in here. Okay, number one. The foolishness of thinking that things can bring life, meaning, or offer peace. Am I starting to hit us where we're at here? Sometimes, <clears throat> I have to be honest, here's a little bit of a pastor confession. Sometimes <clears throat> I look at all of my guitars and I think, I would love to get a new guitar. Not that I want to sell any of my old guitars. I just want a new one. The more I think about the one I want and look at it online and research it, the more my heart sort of aches for it. <laughs> And I start believing, I kind of need that thing. My mind doesn't overtly say, you'd be complete with one more guitar. That isn't what my mind says, but my heart starts to really feel like I'm lacking something without it. I saw a great image this week, a great little meme, and the meme was a guy sitting with a guitar, and it said, money doesn't buy you happiness, money can't be, buy you happiness, but it can buy you guitars, and that's kind of the same thing. Now take away the word guitar and insert the things in your life that gnaw at you from time to time. Might be money or stuff 
a thing, a certain job, or stretching the text a little bit, an earthly relationship. It's the, if I only had this, then I would be at peace. Then I could relax. Soul, you have ample goods laid up now. So relax. Eat, drink, it's all good. But it isn't. It isn't. Because I've bought one more guitar. And you know what it leads to? Wanting one more guitar. It's a trap. It's so unsatisfying. The chase becomes the thing. When we chase the things of this world and try to fill the void of our hearts, the deep-seed longing that only God can fill, when we try to fill that hole with stuff, with worldly things, no matter what it is, we are lost. It doesn't work. And we get trapped in that continually. Can I get an amen that I'm not the only one in this room? Huh? It just doesn't work. Fool. This night, your soul is required. You see, it's God's right to move the soul, to give, to take. This soul is required of you, and the things you've prepared, whose will they be? So it is with one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. In Matthew chapter, nine, chapter 6, verses 19 to 21, in the middle of the Sermon of the Mount, Jesus says, don't lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves can break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. If you think that there is something, some earthly thing that can fill you, satisfy you, or give you a grounding and an eternal peace, you are foolish. St. Augustine, who lived uh, in the late 4th century, was right when he said of God, he said of God, You have made us for Yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in You. It's as King David wrote in Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Is that true? Yes. In Him, I find my peace, my rest, my provision. If you are restless, if you are empty, looking for purpose or meaning or peace, I invite you this morning to turn to Jesus. The second foolish move that the man in Jesus' parable makes is this assumption that he knows the future, that he has plenty of time to enjoy his wealth. He assumes that having organized his external circumstances, that there will be then plenty of days to relax, plenty of days to eat and drink and be merry in. But the saying is true, we aren't promised tomorrow. Someone should have reminded the man of that. We aren't promised tomorrow. We don't know the length of any of our lives. Here's how the Bible says it. And you can write this down. You can look it up. Proverbs 27, verse 1 says this. Do not boast about tomorrow, 
for you don't know what a day may bring. (laughs) Your external circumstances won't make your life long. Your bank account doesn't mean a hill of beans in terms of the length of your life. So, don't boast about tomorrow. The man in the parable can't imagine that his life could end or that he wouldn't be enjoying his big barns, his good food, and his excellent wine. He is foolish in this matter. So what do the wise do in terms of thinking about the future? How can we be wise in relationship to our thoughts on the future? Well, turn to Psalm 90. Middle of the Bible. Psalm 90, verse 12. And it's a verse that that I invite you to underline. Psalm 90, verse 12. Here's what the wise do. So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days. What does that mean? Well, it means today is a gift, right? Use it wisely and know that we don't have an infinite number of days. When we say teach us to number our days, we are acknowledging that there is a finite number of them, right? That each day is a gift. That how we act within those days is important. We're mortal. Our days are numbers. We must live with the understanding that each day is a gift. Live in the wisdom that comes from drawing near to the Lord daily and seeing that you have a purpose in Him. We have, we have a great example from Jesus and how, how to treat each day in the beginning of Mark, Mark chapter 1, verse 35, it says, And rising early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus departed and He went out to a desolate place. And there He prayed. <laughs> Jesus communed with the Father. Entered into relationship. Sought the Lord before the day even began. Why? Because each day is a gift. And each day comes from the Lord. And each day can be lived in thanks and praise to the one who gave the gift. And so Jesus goes to the Father. He communed with the Father, entered into relationship, sought the Lord. Each of us has a finite number of days. They are numbered. And yet our witness, our lives, our gifts, our words, our deeds can have an eternal impact when we live each day for the Lord. When we wisely seek Jesus, serving Him day by day by day by day which brings us to the last foolish move that the man in Jesus parable made and finally this is the most important it is the foolishness of not investing in your spiritual life life gets busy doesn't it doesn't it and sometimes we can get so wrapped up in the in kind of the here and now of life so many important things to do, and I don't want to take away from the importance of, of many, many things. But our spiritual life is primary. It is from it that all life comes. Not investing in your spiritual life. See, there's no evidence in the parable that this man thought of anyone but himself, didn't even think of God. I'll say to my soul, soul. It's just an utterly foolish sentence. 
He wanted to be self-sufficient. Life was about him. Get what you can. Be as comfortable as you can. Live it up. He devoted himself to the world, to acquiring things of, of comfort and pleasure. All the while, empty. Empty, because in the end, you can't take it with you. It didn't gain him a day. It didn't get him inner peace. He had nothing lasting or eternal in his hands to hold. This is the parable of a fool. Not because he was wealthy, because he had earthly plans. He was a fool because, as Jesus said, he was busy laying up for himself treasures on earth, but was not rich toward God. The world around us, much of our, our modern culture is, is about selling us something. Have you, have you ever done that? Where, you, where, you, where uh, your phone might have been on and, and you say something like, Oriental rugs. And then within like 20 minutes, you start getting like pops up like Oriental rugs. You're like, I, I don't even know why I said that. And, and now I'm like, kind of want an Oriental rug. I mean, there's something going on here. I, I don't, I don't want to be just like a total, you know, but... There's something feeding us. And what that's tapping into is this sinful nature that thinks that the acquiring of things, the movement away from God, is going to bring us some sort of peace. <laughs> it doesn't. Fill it, fill it, fill it. It's bottomless. It's never going to end. It's never going to end. It's trying to sell us gadgets and lifestyles and conveniences that are supposed to need these things, but they don't bring us peace. It's foolishness. The man in Jesus' parable was a fool because the most important thing, his relationship with God, the true purpose and where life comes from and comes out of life's deepest meaning was lost on him. <laughs> the man in Jesus' parable was a fool because of that most important thing, the relationship with God was not there. In fact, I would say this. He was alive, but dead. Do you know some people that are living, but dead? I do. And I want them to know life, Jesus Christ. He was alive, but dead. For life, true life happens in us and is found when we place ourselves, our very beings in Jesus in John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In John chapter 10, verse 10, He says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus is our hope, our peace, and our life. And so the question is, how do we keep from becoming fools like the man in the parable? How do we become rich towards God and lay up treasures in heaven as Jesus instructs? Well, I think one way to think about it is to do the opposite of what this feller did. And I think that starts with this simple thing, pursuing Jesus above all things. Seeking the Lord daily. Jesus wants to fill you, to give you spiritual gifts. In Him you'll discover a peace that passes all understanding, Philippians chapter 4. And that peace will ground you. It will anchor you. It will, it, will, it will fill you in a way that no earthly thing can. It is a peace that comes from the presence of God in your life, dwelling in you, the, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, no matter what your circumstances are. Stop chasing after stuff and start chasing after God. 
And you know what you'll find when you do? I do. When we stop chasing after the things of this world and we start chasing after God, you know what we find? He's been chasing after you. He's the good shepherd who leaves the 99 to find the one. He's the reason you're here. He's the reason you're listening to this. It's by no accident. The Spirit has drawn you to hear a word that He loves you, that He's chasing you, that He longs to fill you and give you a peace and a purpose. Place your day in His hands and know that whatever comes today, you're His. So make the most of today. Don't boast in tomorrow, but live for the Lord today, thankful and hopeful and peaceful, knowing that no matter how many days you have left, you are His eternally. He loves you. Remember, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. And don't be foolish laying up treasures for yourself from earth, but rather be rich towards God. Today, Jesus invites you to come. To find riches. Eternal riches that reside only in Him. Come. Oh, you foolish, come. (laughs) And be wise. And live. Let's pray. Father, thank you for um, thank you for the gift of your spirit that draws us to you. Thank you for your word that is alive and active, that convicts and gives life, that lifts and fills. Thank you, Father, that you would chase us down. That you don't just leave breadcrumbs and hope we find our way to you, but you come running to us. And so gather us up, Lord. And may this day be lived for you in praise and thanks and glory, no matter what we have left, no matter how many days we have left, Lord. Use this day for your purpose, for your glory. Fill us. We ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people say,